Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Call our guest line at any time during the live show at area code 646-727-3235. And let's talk about wine. Again, the phone number to call is 646-727-3235. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Hey. That's right. We're, we're back together. <laughs> yeah. That's right. The band is it back is together. Thursday, the 25th of October, 2012. Welcome to the show. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, what? what? I know what? you've been doing wait retro shows, but wait a oh, minute. Oh, that's right. Yeah. No, yeah. oh, that's right. It's 20, 2018. <laughs> yeah. You know, we should have we should have done a show in the future back then. Wouldn't that be something? Do a show from, yeah. you know, in 2014 or 12 or whatever and say, it's 2018, and then do a show from back then. <laughs> See, you what? know, but the thing is, we had no idea we were going to still do this this long. I mean, this no. is, you know, we had... We have people out there listening. I mean, we're you know, thank yeah. you everyone. We got people all yeah, you know, continuously listening to us, and yeah. we had no idea and we were going to be doing this this many years. So. <laughs> nope. Well, that's why we didn't do. It. Yeah. So. It was just and it's amazing just thing. a thing we started just the fun, and it's, it's yeah. shaped up to be a lot of fun for a number of years. So we're we're enjoying it. Hope everyone out there listening is enjoying it too. So, and you seem to yeah. because you keep listening. So it's always a plus. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah, it's fantastic. And so we are live. Yeah. It's, it's actually October the 25th, 2018, 7-something uh, p.m. and 7.02 p.m. Eastern Time, and we are live. So there there we go. And we do have we do have fresh topics uh, and um, yeah. information about Tell next show, about and uh, we'll, we'll be live. Yeah. You're what? <laughs> Tell you about my trip. Tell everybody about my oh, yeah. trip and, and just what, yeah. what happened and all that. And so, yeah, we, we've got a little variety for you here about this show. And it's not just I'm going to talk about my trip. We are all about wine. I did just some wine news, so I'm going to tell you about that. Uh, but uh, we were talking right before they threw us on air about Denver Airport. I flew into Denver twice, going out to Salt Lake City and then once coming back. And that thing's enormous. You were saying, what, 52 square miles? Yeah, it's fifty, fifty-two, fifty-five, somewhere around there. Um, yeah, I can, I can look it up. But I was, that's what I was told. So, uh, um, let me well, see. It's it shows in the middle of Fifty, fifty-four square miles. So, yeah, I was close. Yeah. that's what I remembered. Well, it was. Oh, it's, it was out in the middle of nowhere. It, it really is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just you're, you're landing out in the, the fields of Colorado, and I asked <laughs> the flight attendant. I says. You know, where is Denver? And she says, we're landing in Denver. I said, no, we're landing in a field. Where is the city of Denver? <laughs> and she said, it's that way. So when we, we had a little bit of time at the airport, so I got off and I ran around and looked at it and went up to this information booth. And the guy at the information booth, I said, where's Denver? And he goes, it's a 45-minute, 50-minute car ride um, northwest of here. And I said, oh. I said, so if I don't have a car, I'm going to have to hitchhike or get a cab. And he goes, no, no, we have train systems. And they have a very good train system. It goes from the airport into Denver, uh, downtown Denver. You can switch to different lines. The train then goes. You can catch the train out to Boulder, Colorado, where the University of Colorado is. Uh, you can take it to the edge of the ski slopes. It, it goes right close to the ski slopes area. It goes to all sorts of places around there. I mean, great train system, but uh, it's inexpensive, too. I think a ride from the airport into downtown Denver, 
for a normal person, it was like you know three fifty or something like that. It was really, really pretty cheap, and uh, so uh, good system, good setup, and all that. Salt Lake City is building a new airport, a brand new airport. They have the old airport, and you come and pick up and drop off people like all airports do right out in front. Well, on the other side of right out front, they're building a brand new airport. And it's funded by bonds and all sorts of stuff. They have little videos going on inside telling people how it's funded. None of your tax dollars. This is funded through this and this and this. So uh, they're building a whole brand new airport. It's supposed to like double the size of the current one. Then they're going to tear down the old one. What was that? Uh, they are going to tear down the old one. And, you know, it's while I was sitting in the Salt Lake City Airport ready to catch my flight, I'm looking around thinking, wow, they're going to tear this down. I, it, just, it just seemed, you know, the wrecking ball and just crashed everything to the ground and hauled away with bulldozers. I don't know, with, with trucks. I don't know how they're going to do it. But that's tearing down an airport. But my thought is, and no one seemed to be able to answer it, not even my daughter who works there. You have airside. You have the little things that go out and hook onto the side of a plane so people can get in on, on the plane and off the plane. Now, if they tear down that one, the runway is over there. How are they going to get people on and off the planes to the new airport? Because it's not next to a runway or anything like this. They're going to lay another $3 million square yards of semen again to make new aprons and all that stuff. I don't know. It's just, but it's on the brand new airport there. So, wow. Yeah. It's, it's quite a, quite a task, quite a, quite a venture to build a brand new airport. Uh, yeah. You, you just, you don't realize it, but you know, after going around, flying around and all that, I still like Tampa flying into Tampa and Tampa's setup is so nice because Everything's right there. You don't have to go from one building to another. And believe me, that's a lot of airports are set up that way, that they have different buildings for different airlines. If you're transferring, you're it, it, it's a chore to get from one building to the next. So, But mm-hmm. flight was over, and the flights were good overall, just the observations on that. And uh, had a had a good time, and I, Mike did a good job on the two weeks that he was filling in because he played some archives for our haunted Halloween month there, those we did in the past, and um, a lot of listeners out there, thanks, by the way, all of you who listened to him, and thanks for the yeah. emails I get in. Some people send me some emails telling me that Mike did a good job, and it was interesting to listen to the old episodes. And because of that, Mike and I talking mm-hmm. before the show, we're going to do it again next week. Yay. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Um, oh, hang on. Yay. There we go. Okay. There we go. Yeah, I, I was going to have to do that, too. I, then I started talking about it. But uh, thanks, Mr. Speaker. Uh, uh, what, uh, he's going to have another archive show, on Haunted Archive. But we're going to do it next week. The day after, it's going to be a, a post-Halloween uh, episode mm-hmm. and so tune in it'll just be an archive show but it'll be a couple of things he's put together and stuff like that that he found that he wants to go back and revisit so and it's going to give both mike and i an opportunity to have the evening off and do some uh you know visit families and stuff like that and recover after halloween so yeah with awesome. and so since we're not going to be here next week there's a couple of things number one a week from this sunday daylight saving time ends so, yes, all back and out. It's already. Yeah. All right. Dark early. So a week from this Sunday, uh, the one, two, three, fourth of November, it will be uh, the end of daylight same time for this year. And Florida never did go on their year-round daylight same time. It, it was proposed. They wrote up the thing. It was passed in the state, but... If you do something like that, it has to be passed by the federal Senate and has to be passed there. And it was never passed, or I don't know if it even came to a vote. 
uh, and the federal level. So we are still on daylight saving time this year, but you know it could have changed next year. Who knows? And I wonder, I wonder why they would even have a say. They're not, they're not living here. Well, probably some of them are, but they're not living here year round and have to deal with the, with the the time change that we go. To. Well, they do in their own. Oh, they do that in Washington. Do they have time change in Washington? I guess D.C. Yeah, they do. I don't know. Yeah, yeah they do. But they, they shouldn't have a say whether or not we have to deal with it or not deal with it or, or what. That's that's not their business. I, I don't know. I don't and know why it's a federal thing. For all the senators you know. and representatives from across the country to vote on it, you're right. They, yeah. Yeah. They don't we don't it. affect them, you know. Nope. <clears throat> so. So, oh well. I, you know, but it never went forward and all that. And, you know, I'm sort of mixed about it. I, I like, you know, where the sunshine state. I like the fact that we're sunshine. I think it will help things like, you know, the uh, 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 theme parks and, uh, and things like that because it's going to give that extra hour of, uh, although how little it is, instead of doing it in the morning, it will give it in the evening. But. I'm also a sports fan, which I've mentioned many a time. And because I'm a sports fan, it's like the Tampa Bay Lightning right now. They're playing a game tonight, is it? I want to say yes, but I don't think so. They're playing a game. uh, Their next game is going to be in uh, Anaheim, California. And so if I want to watch the game, they're three hours behind us. Normally it starts at 7 o'clock. That would be 10 o'clock our time, but with daylight saving time, the game's not starting until 11, and it won't be over until about 2, 2.15 in the morning. And it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, so if you're going to stay up and watch a sporting event that's being held on the West Coast that starts in the evening, it would make for late evenings. But, you know, I can learn to live with that because I like daylight saving times. I'm one of those rare few who really do like it. So, so... But we change this a week from this Sunday, not this Sunday, because if you do it this Sunday, you're going to be uh, an hour late for everything. But uh, <laughs> a week from this Sunday, <laughs> we're going to we're going to change. And then uh, next week again, uh, we'll have another archive, a post Halloween archive program. And uh, so tune in for that. Then we will be back in November on November eighth live uh, again. But uh, let's see. I got things to talk to you about differently. Number one, what's coming up this next week for food? National Greasy Food Day is today. That if you haven't enjoyed greasy food today, then today is the day to do it. It is National Greasy. Yeah, yeah. If it feels French fries, you know, fried chicken and all that. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> National Mince Meat Day is tomorrow, along with National Pumpkin Day tomorrow, which always works well, I think, because uh, this is National Pumpkin Month. So, and, and then having a National Pumpkin Day in mode, which why isn't National Pumpkin Day on Halloween? It surprises me, but hey, I don't make the rules. National American Beer Day is Saturday, so don't pop open that Corona, pop open a Bud Light. All right. National Potato Day, which encompasses lots of different ways you can have those potatoes, is also on Saturday. So it gives you an opportunity to have them fried or scalloped or uh, au gratin or french fries or potato chips or mashed or on and on and on. All sorts of ways to have potatoes. National Potato Day is Saturday. National Make a Difference Day is Saturday also. So while you're having your potatoes... Have a sweet wine with it. Make a difference. Try something new. Navy Day also happens to be Saturday. Sunday, National Chocolate Day. All right. That's always a good day. And open yourself up a nice red wine with that chocolate day. That's uh, a great thing to have with chocolate is some good red wine. Zinfandel, Cabernet Sauvignon, Pinot Noir, Merlot, all all good Barbera. Uh, I can go on with a lot of different wines, but red wine and chocolate. National Mother-in-Law Day happens to be the 28th on Sunday also. Monday, National Oatmeal Day. And for those of you out there who want to know, National Cat Day is also on Monday. And then Tuesday, National Candy Corn Day. It's uh, that treat that everyone loves to eat, but nobody says they like it. And it continues to sell lots and lots of something they're doing new this year, and I've noticed 
I went up to visit my daughter, and she said, here, Dad, if you want something. And she had a jar of salted peanuts, but she mixed in with it a bunch of caramel corn. Or, you know, uh, uh, candy corn. Not caramel corn. A bunch of candy corn. So candy corn mixed in with salted peanuts uh, seems to be the thing. It gives you that sweet, sour, or that salty, sweet, rather, taste in your mouth. I saw that also at a at a clinic I was in. There was a jar of it sitting on the counter. And so it seems to be something that's, that's happening this year with candy corn, mixing it in with peanuts, salted peanuts. Next Wednesday, Halloween, of course, but it's also National Caramel Apple Day. So, which works well with Halloween, I suppose. So, uh, all sorts of wines you can have with those. Uh, experiment, test it. The only ones I really suggest some red wine with your National Chocolate Day on Sunday. Otherwise, go crazy on whatever you like to try. I went on a trip this past week, uh, this past couple of weeks. Left on Thursday, arrived in Salt Lake City Thursday evening. And then on Friday, my daughter and I drove to Park City, Utah, which is a big, big ski resort, although they're not doing any skiing now. There was snow on the hills. There was snow up and down the hills and up and around and all that. But there was no skiing, not any depth or anything. We went to Park City basically because there's a couple of wineries there. And it was only, oh, I, I would say less than an hour trip from where she lives in South Ogden. And a nice trip over the hills, a beautiful road going there. I mean, it wasn't was a mountain type roads and nice, you know, three lane interstate. Uh, which one? Which one? I want to say 80. Is that the right one? Yeah, I think it was 80 going through there. But when there's a couple of wineries in Park City, and that's why I wanted to go to Park City. So we got to Park City, parked the car, walked down Main Street of Park City. Beautiful little ski town. It's, a, it's that classic, Park City is that little classic, what you would picture a classic ski town or something like that. It's just, there was a ski lift right on Main Street there uh, for one of the slopes. And there was, uh, you know, people wandering around the streets and everything. A lot of little small shops and little small restaurants and little small everything all up and down the street. And also behind, you cut behind, there was other back of the street uh, not roads, but other places you can visit. Nice little town. We went to a winery there. And, oh, my gosh, for the life of me, I had it written down. It's in the other room, and I'm tethered to this right here. And I can't break away from this without losing my connection. But uh, we went to a winery. What was that winery in Salt Lake City or in Park City? you remember? No. No, she didn't remember. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I know. You were there. Old Town Cellars. Uh, Old Town Cellars. Yes, thank you. Okay. Uh-huh. No. I wasn't even there when Old I Town know. Cellars. <laughs> you know, yeah. I can always get on the <laughs> Old Town Cellars. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have it on my phone. I took pictures and everything else, but I just couldn't think of the name right now. Old Town Cellars. Old Town Cellars. There was no one in there. We got there at about 5 o'clock, I guess it was, about quarter till 5 of an evening because we ended up doing other stuff and finally made our way there. Went inside and uh, nice place. It really, it was on the second floor of the main, uh, of the main street is out in front. It's on the second floor, but the back of the back of the, the winery goes into another street behind it. So it wasn't like it was just elevated. The front was small where you buy the stuff. They had a rack there, a big rack of a bunch of wines. They also had a whole bunch of skis stacked up there. Skis was a lot of their decoration. To the right, through a window, you can see the bowling room and and some tanks and stuff. In fact, he was doing some bowling. One of the guys was in there doing some, I say he, I don't know who he was. One of the guys was in there doing some bowling while we were there. And he said, we've got these wines, you can purchase a taste of any wine. Uh, it's $4 for a taste. Or you can purchase a glass of anything. Or you can purchase a wine. We went in and sat down. Beautiful, big, cushy seats. And I can see, I mean, if you're out skiing all day and you want to do something in the evening, 
go to this winery, big cushy seat, you can kick back, they have a fireplace, they have uh, just great atmosphere, a bar in the back, you can sit there, you can sit at tables or whatever. Uh, my daughter and I sat down, she got a glass of wine, and I got a uh, got a taste, and uh, we shared the two tastes and all that. It was $4 per taste, though, uh, rather expensive. But it, again, is part city, Utah, which is a tourist place. $4 per taste. Uh, then she got a glass of wine, which was, I want to say, $13 for a glass of wine, 12 or 13 We both got red. Mine, well, all their wines are sourced out of Oregon and Washington, areas around Oregon and Washington. And so all their wines being sourced out of there. Uh, they had some good wines. They were very good. And they got the juice in from those places and then their own, did their own blending. So most of the wines were not just a single varietal. They were all blended, different combinations. I got a single one, the few singles they had on. I got a Syrah, which was very good. It was, it was a lighter style. It was very good. It had uh, classic Syrah taste and all that. I enjoyed it the taste of that. My daughter got a I don't know the name of it, I can't think of it. I bad me, I didn't bring in the the paperwork I have on all that stuff. But my daughter got a Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Syrah. What was the other one? My birthday. That's what it was. Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Syrah, Melverde blend. And it was very, very good. They did an excellent job on that. Had some great flavors, great taste. It was just dry enough, but had the fruitiness of all those different grapes blended together. And it was very, very good. I thought to myself, you know, I can probably get a bottle of that back home. And I looked at the price, and they wanted $58 for that. And I'm thinking, $58? Exactly. I just couldn't do it. I I just could not do that because it was just too much money for that blend. It was good. Don't get me wrong. And if I were living there, if I didn't have to travel with it and all that, I very possibly could have done it. I would have loved uh, uh, the wife to have a taste of it. But at $58, I just... Just couldn't do it. And most of their wines were like that. I think the cheapest one on their list was 43, and that was for a Sauvignon Blanc uh, Chardonnay blend. Nice place, beautiful atmosphere, beautiful, beautiful place. The wines are just a bit expensive. Then again, I keep telling myself, you're in Park City, Utah. Everything here is probably expensive. It's a, it's a it's a ski resort. It's a tourist area there. You you go to Tarpon Springs here in Florida. You go to Orlando. Everything gets more expensive because of the tour. So, but it was good wines. We finished up our glass and tasting, worked our way back to the car and checked out uh, on GPS another winery. And we drove out of town. It's supposed to only be about a 10-minute drive away. We drove out of town, finally found the street. We went one direction on the street, and the one direction we went on the street was nothing but apartments. So we turned around and came back to the other direction on the street and found the winery. And it's supposed to close at 6. We got there about 5.20, I guess it was 5.30. And it was locked up. No anything it was it was just locked and we tried the front door went around tried the back door out to the car looked up the phone number tried calling and just rang no answer and it was empty no one there we looked there was a sign on the back door that said our hours are from uh three to nine on wednesday thursday and friday and then noon to nine on Saturday and the Sunday's closed. You gotta realize this is Utah, all wineries are closed on Sunday. And then 
you know, Monday and Tuesday, I think they were closed. Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, then again, they were open. But nobody there, no explanations, no anything. They just were not there. So we didn't go to that winery, needless to say, since they were closed. I don't know why. My daughter and I questioned each other about why would they be closed on a Friday evening, because you would think a Friday evening would be a time that a winery wouldn't, especially if they advertised the hours of being open until 9 would be open. But no one was around. So, And I guess they're still open. There was no signs or anything that said that they were closed. So that was our <coughs> excuse me. That was our Park City Winery Expedition. We actually got to see one out of the two we wanted to see them. Saturday, my daughter and I went out to Antelope Island. And I do have a son-in-law, but he was working all the time. Darren and I went up to Antelope Island, which is an island right in the middle of the Great Salt Lake. And yes, the Great Salt Lake does have islands. Actually, that Antelope Island is the big one, and they have like four, five other small islands on Great Salt Lake, which I didn't know that until I was on Antelope Island, and there was a big map, and I saw that. Antelope Island is really quite large. It's at the eastern edge, yeah, eastern, I'm doing my map in my head, eastern end of the Great Salt Lake, eastern end of the Great Salt Lake is drying up. They have not been getting the rains or the snows, and it is really, really low, uh, dried up in a lot of areas. The lake has uh, receded down to a pretty small spot. Now, the lake overall is not very deep, but it's dried up a lot on the on the eastern edge. The western edge is still a lot of water and still pretty deep and still blue and all that. But the eastern edge is shallower and it's being affected by the drought. Antelope Island is on the eastern edge more so than the north. But we went to Antelope Island, which was interesting. Again, uh, if you're so inclined, check it out on your browser, Antelope Island, Great Salt Lake. After that, there was a couple of wineries not too far from Antelope Island. So we decided that we would check those out. And we went to the first one, and we looked around and found it was an industrial park. In fact, island, uh, islands, uh, wineries in Utah tend to not be a whole lot of mainstream for some reason, except for the one in Park City, Old City, but uh, Old Town Winery. But otherwise, they're they're in industrial parks and stuff, but at Utah Laws. We went to this one, and there was a guy in a pickup truck sitting in front of it. And we got out, and he said, could I help you? And I said, yeah, we come here to see the winery. He said, they closed. And we go, when? Why? How? And he said, they closed about three weeks ago. And it would be about four weeks ago now. They closed. That was it, Walk, Stock, and Barrel. He said, the guy that we talked to says, I came in, I bought out the inventory. He said, I do that, I, I liquidate, and I've done that before, so I'm not. it's not something that he's doing new. He said, I'm having to dump the wines and dispose of all the extra inventory and everything else. And we went, wow, you know, that's, that's really too bad. And he said, yeah, he said, uh, uh, it's, you know, it just, uh, that was the end of that. So we thanked him for his time, and we traveled over to the other winery. And we found that, and I walked in there, and I started to look at it, and I looked at the menu of the things they had, and I said, I interviewed these people. And so the owner and his wife were the ones doing it. His wife was the one serving. The owner was over there, and I said, you were on my radio program, weren't you? And he says, I've been on lots of radio programs. And he mentioned two or three, and I said, all about wine. And he says, Florida. I said, yes, sir. He said, yes, I was. He said, it's been about, oh, six, seven years. And I said, yes, I thought so. I said, you'd like to be on again? He goes, yes. He said, but not right now. He said, this is our busy season. And I said, how about January, February? He goes, give me a call. I'll be happy. So we have a guest, him again coming up in January, February. But 
while I was there, they have a lot of wines. Uh, they have not just wines, but they have meads. They also have some beers. They also have some spirits, a lot of stuff. When we uh, talk with him uh, the next time, I'll, we'll go through the whole thing. And, you know, I again, I left all my paperwork in the other room, and I don't know what the winery is. But uh, a hive, hive winery. Uh, and they have lots of stuff there. You can taste five wines at a dollar a taste, and that's it. Again, Utah laws, uh, up to five at a dollar a taste. So my daughter tasted five, and I tasted five, and we shared our sips with each other that we found. I did a mead. I did a port. They had a real nice port there, um, although a port style. They couldn't call it port. It was very good. It was a, a uh, flavored port. I can't think of what flavor was. Nice mead. I tried a mead. I also tried a couple of their wines. I tried uh, a uh, brandy. They had six flavored brandies, I guess it was. But a whole variety of stuff. I mean, a lot of different things. When we walked in, there was another couple already in there, and then there's another couple came in while we were there, just as the first couple was leaving. And then when they left, my daughter and I went up and started talking to them about different things, and nobody was there, and it was 6 o'clock, which was the time they supposed to close anyway. And we mentioned that we went over to the other winery, and they were closed. And he says, oh, yes. He said they uh, he closed officially about three weeks ago. And I said, what happened? What's going on with them? Why are they closed? Did, you know, He said that about three months ago, the owner quit paying rent. And he wasn't always open. He had his hours posted, but he wasn't always there. He would close early. He would open late. He just is like he lost interest and quit doing everything. I said, what's happening with all these wines? He says, it's got to be dumped. He said, nothing can be done. I said, well, how much does he have there? And he goes, there's probably close to 15,000 gallons of wine that needs to be dumped. I said, 15,000? He said, between ten and 15,000. He said, you can't do anything with it. He said, the way Utah laws are set up, there's no way you can be salvaged by anybody else. There's no way you can't bottle it, you can't transfer it, you can't sell it um, in bulk or anything. It's going to be dumped. I says, oh, my gosh. I said, nothing can be said. No. He said, uh, there's just actually, that's just the way the laws are in, in the state of Utah. I said, does the TTB, the, the Trade and Tobacco Bureau, have to be there to watch you dump it? He goes, no, they don't. He said, we're, you know, the guy that's over there has already dumped about uh, 500 gallons, and he's got the rest of it to start dumping. And I said, they don't, they don't require to see it. He goes, no. I said, I had to dump 57 gallons, and they had to be standing there watching me dump it. I said, you know, they don't. He says, no. I said, well, that's odd. I said, then if that's the case, why don't you start hauling away, you know, cases of it or barrels of it or growlers or something he says because it's against the law and i said well okay <laughs> we didn't pursue that part of the conversation anymore but he uh he said that that's you know he said there's some good wines he said the guy had some good wines he said but he just he just lost interest a lot of blending you know, with uh some stuff and he just lost interest in it and, and it looks like and didn't do anything more and that was that was into it so that was sad but high appointment while we were there my daughter started to ask questions and she says oh she said can, can you show us how you where you do stuff and so the guy was more than forthcoming he took us in the back plastic uh the flex tanks which is plastic tanks he had all over the place no stainless steel no wood he was uh, he took us and he showed us the uh, freezer where he was fermenting some stuff. A lot of fruit, different fruits he's using. A whole bunch of stuff. Really a nice, nice setup. 
Then he took us over to the other room where he does his higher alcohol, liquors. And it's a completely different part. Same building, but like an invisible wall. Once you walk through this door, then you're in the distillery part. And they they can't touch, you know. When he blends wines with the spirits, he says he has to fill up paperwork to transfer it over, which is just a matter of paperwork, but he's got to do it. Very interesting operation. I tasted, like I say, five wines. My daughter tasted five. She loved a coffee brandy that they had. She absolutely loved it. And they had a recipe for a uh, easy coffee cake that used the coffee brandy in it. And and so she got the recipes and she's cooking now. My daughter's cooking. Oh my gosh, I still can't believe that after the trip out there. But she's cooking now and she is going to do the coffee brandy cake and uh, look at sipping it in the evenings until it's gone. So it was interesting. Got to Kansas City to visit wineries. And we will be interviewing Hive Winery come after the first of the year. I mean, like he said, he's busy this time of year. But after the first of the year, he'll I'll be able to get him on the program. So something to look forward to, I suppose. I'm looking forward to it. And then uh, got to Kansas City. My sister asked me if I'm going to go to Belvoir Winery. And we've been to Belvoir Winery. In fact, if you listen to the archive shows over the last couple of weeks, Belvoir was on again because they are haunted. And a uh, fun interview. They were on Ghost. Uh, I don't want to say Ghostbusters. Uh, Hunters. Ghost Hunters on the Sci-Fi Channel because they were tearing down a building and they just wanted to go see how many ghosts were there. And they actually got spirits talking to them and stuff. But the building that's supposed to tear down, from what everybody says, has not been torn down. Now, this was, you know, three years ago or something. They have not gotten around to tearing down that building. So I don't know what's going on with that. But And uh, some of the other wineries that we had an opportunity to go see, if we had the time, uh, we would have, but time was of a crunch. I got into town on a Monday evening and left on a Wednesday morning and then trying to visit family in that time and see a few few things that I wanted to really want to see while I was there. It's been six years since I've been up there, so we didn't get a chance to go to the wineries. But, like they all said over and over, now that you're retired, you can come and see us more often. So that maybe possible and visit some more wineries up in that area. I will not make the trip until after it warms up again. It was cold. And for all of you who live around the country and you're already in your 30s and 40s, uh, it's still in our 80s here, and we are still warm. And that was cold when it dropped down to the 40s and 50s when I was running around up there. And it's going to get colder, and I'm not one to handle it. Uh, So... As the springtime comes and stuff, I'll make some more trips up there and visit some more wineries. But overall, it was a good trip. Nice wineries we visited there, even though it was only about half of what I wanted to see. And it uh, got one to one. Mike goes down to visit wineries in Texas and comes back after seeing about six of them and gets a couple of them on the radio show. I go out in Utah and visit just two out of four and get one on the show. So, And I would have gotten the other one, but they... The owner wasn't around or anything, and the guy's working there and said, well, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. So call them later in the year and see if maybe I can't get somebody there on. So that was that was the experience of visiting wineries on my trip. And looking at doing it again sometime in the spring, but we'll see at that time. So a uh, couple of things here. Sauvignon Blanc, again, we're going back to some trivia here. For you for a little bit. Uh, Sauvignon Blanc, uh, it's a white wine. Sauvignon Blanc, which takes its name from the French word sauvage, meaning wild. It's grown all over the world, but the styles of wine it is made into vary considerably, from pretty tame to outrageously bold. Here's where seven regions well known for Sauvignon Blanc fall on the spectrum. 
you start with mild Chile, then the United States is considered mild. Uh, the Bordeaux region is next. South Africa, Austria, Austria, not Australia, Austria is starting to get a little bit more wild in their taste. The lure is even more wild, and then New Zealand at the far end of it. Uh, New Zealand makes some good Sauvignon Blancs. Monkey Bay, if you've never had a monkey, monkey Bay Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, especially wines from Gravis and uh, uh, Sancerre and Puy Fume uh, are some nice examples of a Sauvignon Blanc. Flavor of Sauvignon Blanc is tame versions are melanin and floral. The outrageous versions are bold, tangy, and have extroverted green herbal grassy flavors. I always like a Sauvignon Blanc because of that grassiness. Classic, classic, fresh Fresh-cut lawn grassiness. Uh, it's, uh, it's fantastic. I've always enjoyed the Sauvignon Blanc over the years because of that characteristic. And another trivia, Gallo's Gallons. Largest winery in the world is E&J Gallo. It's located on a uh, bustling farm town of Modesto in the Central Valley of California. And Modesto is a farm town. If you've ever been out in California's Central Valley, that's where, you know, the fruit and vegetable basket of the country right around that area, and it's just it's full of big farms. Gallo now makes about close to 900 million, or I'm sorry, 90, not 990 million cases of wine a year. That's more than the entire country of Chile. Today, at any one time, more people in the United States are drinking a gallon of wine than any other. And in Coles to Newcastle fashion, gallon wines even show up in France and Italian restaurants, not to mention wine shops all over Asia. While the company was once virtually synonymous with jug wines, gallon now produces numerous delicious fine wines from their top vineyards in Sonoma. These wines are bottled under the brand Gallo of Sonoma. Book for Gallo of Sonoma Zimado and Cabernet Sauvignon in particular. And they their their Gallo portfolio includes lots of other wines too, uh, labels and stuff. So look for them. Big, 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 big. Oh, unbelievable. When corks when were corkscrews invented? Corkscrews, frustrating as they can be, are a tool no wine lover can live without. Unless you want to use a drywall screw and a pair of pliers. The first ones, from 1630 to 1675, were simple T-shaped devices. Over time, however, variations abounded and handles were shaped like everything from cardinals' caps to women's legs. The most common corkscrew used today, the flat lever type waiter's corkscrew, was invented in Germany in 1882. Its convenient fold-up design and concealed knife make it an artifact in virtually every restaurant in the world. Often referred to as the waiter's corkscrew, you know, uh, whenever you get it. So, uh, the... Uh, Corkscrew been around for a long, long time. And in fact, corkscrews were invented before cork was popular in all bottles of wine. So that just shows you how important corkscrews are. All right, let's uh, go back to something here. Our wildfire tracker. We have not talked about wildfires in a while. And believe it or not, they are still burning out west. Although most of them is under control. There's only 14 wall, large wildfires burning right now uh, in western United States. There's one at the Colorado, uh, Wyoming, no, yes, Colorado-Wyoming border, the Ryan Fire. There's one in northern Arizona, the CAT, C-A-T, CAT Fire. One in Nevada, the north east part of Nevada, the Range 2 fire, 
one in Montana, right next to the Canadian border, which is the Howell Ridge Fire, and that's almost 15,000 acres. A couple of them found in Idaho, Bear Creek Fire and the Rabbit Foot Fire, and Rabbit Foot being a big one, 36,000 acres. Two in California, uh, one just uh, north of Los Angeles, a rather small one, the Alder Fire, and then one a little bit further north of that, the Indian Fire, which is pretty much under control. Just north of the California border in, in uh, Oregon is the biggest fire burning right now, is the Klondike Fire, and that's already up to 5 acres. Then there's a cluster of fires up in northern Washington, just south of the Canadian border. The Bannock Lakes Fire, the McLeod Fire, the Holman Fire, and let's see, Bannock Lake, Holman, McLeod, and let's see, I guess there's only three in there. So that's it. 14 fires burning in the United States right now. Uh, most of them under control, most of them not affecting anything. The smoke is pretty much non-existent for all of them. Uh, as the cold weather comes in, it is starting to uh, store it down and stop the spread of smoke and all that. So that's the fires going on. That We're getting close to the end of the season, so I won't be able to don't have to report the fires too much anymore because of that. All right. Now, uh, what is that? That's odd. Okay. Well, for some reason. Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, Keith Joshua Winery. Let me give you some updates on these, too. Keith Joshua Winery in Vineyard. Uh, four wineries, eight-course tapas dinner coming up on November the 10th. So November the 10th, mark your calendars. Uh, it says, please join Keith Joshua Vineyards, Lightning Ridge Cellars, Village of Elgin, and Synodia Vineyards for a winemaker's dinner at Synodia Vineyards on November 10th at 6 p.m. following the St. Martin's New Release Harvest Festival. All proceeds will support the local 4-H. The cost is $65 per person. The space is extremely limited. To reserve your spot, please call Keith at 520-455-5582. And at that time, they'll need to know your dessert choice so you can tell them when you call in. The uh, four wineries and a lamb menu will consist of Lightning Ridge Cellars. will have the first course of lamb shank stew. Keith Joshua, of course, three shrimp, uh, Gus Pecho, and then lamb sausage, cenote vineyards, cucumber salad, and chili rub cherry glazed rack of lamb. And then you will end up with the village of Elgin winery and Persian lamb with jeweled rice. And course number eight is um, Baco Negro cake or coconut cake. It's your choice. That's why they need to know it when you make reservations. So, Coming up on the 10th of November. And there's a new AVA, uh, the St. Martin's Sonodia AVA New Release Festival, and the 34th anniversary of the Sonodia uh, AVA. No, it's not a new AVA, it's a new festival they're having. Uh, will be November 10th from 10 to 5. 
you don't need reservations for that. So you can uh, go, the admission is $35 and includes 15 wine tasting tickets with souvenir glass, tasting uh, wines from a number of wineries in Arizona. They have a list of them here. I'm not going to go through all of them, but a bunch of wineries here. They're doing a barrel tasting with Sonodia Vineyards, which is always fun. I've said this over and over. If you've never been to a barrel tasting, by all means, check it out. And they will have live music uh, by three different groups and all that on that. So that's going to be the 10th also. And then after that will be the dinner. And then you can mark your calendars for a um, Old West tasting Whiskey and wine in, in the Old West at the Keith Joshua Vineyards uh, on December the 15th. And let's see if $20 for that event includes souvenir glass, five wine taste, a shot plus five distillery taste. So we've got quite a bit there. Coming up in 2019, there's going to be the Southeast Arizona Wine Growers Festival. So something to look forward to. Then April the 13th. Their professional famous chili cook-off will be held there. So things happening out there in the West. So any of you are visiting that area, Arizona, in southern Arizona, Keith Joshua, and all these others, if any of you are visiting those areas there, be sure to check it out. Uh, There's some, it's great wines. I've been there, and it's really good people and great wines. Whispering Oak. Whispering Oaks is located here in Florida. Uh, they are in Oxford. They are going to be closed on Mondays, but Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, 11 to 5, Friday and Saturday, 11 to 9. And they are close to a corn maze, which is now officially open. Purchase one bottle of wine or an eight ounce glass sampler and get admission for free. Up to four people at uh, Corn Maze. Corn Mazes are fun. Uh, you wander around inside corn. The corn-filled Daryl Steimer, recently planted in Oxford, leads to what it describes as the easiest corn maze on the planet. But it depends on who you ask, they say. Uh, the kids have really enjoyed watching come together and all that, and it's a good place for adults to wander around with the kids. And so... It's, uh, they have an aerial view of the corn maze, and it really is pretty simple. You're not going to get lost in it for hours, although you do have to walk around it. So that is in Whispering Oaks Vineyards. They are located in Oxford. You want to get a hold of them, www.winesofflorida.com. And you can go do it. I would suggest that corn mazes are a walking thing, so if you have trouble walking any distance or anything, don't go on the corn maze. But uh, you can check in on Facebook and check stuff out on that too. So, Whispering Oaks, there's corn maze. And Castle Ridge Winery is coming up uh, in their Halloween treats and stuff. Castle Ridge um, has Halloween candy that they suggest you pair with their wines. Uh, anywhere from Reese's Peanut Butter Cups to uh, all sorts of different things. And they have a wine to pair with each of them. Check out their website and you can see all that stuff. That's Their website is Castle Ridge was it TassleRidgeWinery.com or just TassleRidge.com? Oh, let's see here. I don't know. TassleRidgeWinery.com, I think it is. I, I don't see otherwise. So you can check them out there and uh, see all the stuff that they have to offer. It's a, it's a very informative little spot here. Let's see the website. It is TassleRidge.com. TassleRidge.com. Yeah, yes. Not yeah. wine. T-A-S-S-E-L. No. Um, T-A-S-S-E-L-R-I-D-G-E dot com. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> check check them out. They got uh, they got a lot of. Oh, I just lose my page here. How the heck did I do that? Oh, that's how I did it. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, Castlebridge dot com. 
and they've got a lot of information on there. They, they're uh, located in Iowa, southern Iowa, at, uh, well, Lighton is the name of the town, but it's southeast of Des Moines, which is the capital, and northeast of Albia, which is my father was born and raised there. So just to try to put you in perspective, which none of you know where Albia is, but still I have to give it a shout out. And they have stuff about their bowling and solar activities and all sorts of stuff there. So, But uh, the little section they have about the treats and uh, wines to go with it is fun. Then we've got Cabless Creek Vineyards. And uh, they are located, I believe, in uh, up in uh, New York. No, Massachusetts. I always want to say New York and then Massachusetts. They're Tablis Creek's blog, blog Tablis Creek, and it tells about what they're doing and what they've been up to and different things. It's a fun blog. If you don't subscribe to it, it's a good read. And if you do, good, thanks. It's just Tablis Creek Vineyard and just go to their blog and subscribe to it and you can keep up this one talks about composting and what makes the ground good for growing grapes and different things like that uh, recent articles about the harvest and uh, table wines and all that good stuff so Tablis Creek Vineyards again uh, Tablis Creek Tablet, T-A-B-L-A-S, Tablet's Creek uh, Vineyards in their blog. And then, uh, let's pop it up here. And there we go. We have downtown Pasoropos. This is something that's fun. I did this years ago. They've been doing this for a long time. Downtown Pasaro was wineries to hold their annual autumn wine stroll. That's coming up on Saturday, November 3rd, which is a week from this Saturday. There will be a group of over 20 tasting rooms located in beautiful and historic downtown Pasaro. Uh, they're holding their annual wine stroll on Saturday, November 20th. That's from 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock. And that will be the day before daylight saving time changes, so it'll still be plenty of light at 6. Uh, the strolls are held four times a year, and each have a slightly different twist. The autumn stroll is unique in that its attendees will experience a special wine and food pairings at each tasting room they visit. And what they actually do is they have 20 different tasting rooms. They, they, downtown Pasaropas, a lot of the wineries that are located around there are small wineries. They do have in Pasaropa's little small outlets, if you will, little small storefronts, little small places where they can sell their wine instead of driving up around to the wineries around there. And there's what, 120 of them around Pasaropa's. It's unbelievable how many wineries are around that little small town. But they do have their storefront in there. So this is uh, a great experience. This is, is really a lot of fun. I've been on a couple of over the years, years ago. They didn't have four then. They had, I think they only had two, a spring and a fall, but uh, now they have four. Each tasting room they you visit will have a special wine and food pairing. Um, for example, butternut squash ravioli with roasted chestnuts artisanal cheeses and sausages, crab cakes with steak, uh, shabata sliders are just a few of the gourmet bites that you'll be able to taste. And you also have a chance to taste wines, uh, award-winning wines from Barino to Zimindos, and just enjoy it. Uh, downtown Pasaropa is a nice little town. They, uh, the production ranges from micro wineries of 500 cases or less to some larger ones which produce over 20,000 cases a year. So a lot of fun. 11 designated AVAs in the Paso Robles area. So you can compare some small AVA areas to others and see what it does. 
in the taste of the foods and stuff. So it is a great time. Tickets are only $40. And for a three-hour taste of all those wines and food, $40 is really a good price. So if you are in California, that's Paso Ropos, located in Central California. It is south of San Francisco, north of L.A., just about in the middle, uh, south of Monterey, uh, just about in the middle of those those areas there. If you're in California on the 3rd, which, again, a week from this Saturday, then by all means, that has to be part of the itinerary. That has to be part of the stock because it is uh, a well worth a stop, one that you will remember and enjoy. So do that. Check that out. And let's see if I have any other wineries I'm going to get you caught up on and things that before it's past the date. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look like it. Looks like we might be up to date on those. Let's look back here. No. All right. All right. So, update on those, and that's what we want to be, too, so you won't miss anything. Since next week, we are going to have a post-Halloween, our post-haunted program. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so be sure to tune in next week and check that out. Yes. And that would be November 1st. November 1st. And then the Sunday after November 1st, again, daylight same time ends. So, you know, be sure to fall back an hour on your clock. Gives you an extra hour of sleep. Unless you're in Arizona, right? I think Arizona, Hawaii. uh, And one other... um, there's uh, American Samoa, Guam, the Northern Mariana Islands, Puerto Rico, and the United States Virgin Islands. Ta-da. I think All that's right, it. There you go. I think that's oh. it. Yeah. They don't change back and forth. And maybe next year it might be Florida added to that list. So, yeah. Who knows? Can, Although, I don't if we think can get those a, places. Approval. Yeah, if we can get approval. I don't think those places change forward, though. I think they stay on their standard time. And so, therefore, the rest of the country goes forward. Florida will be unique in the fact that it wants to go forward and never go back. So, I don't know. That's odd. Um, Yeah, I'm reading most areas of the United States observe daylight saving time, the exceptions being Arizona, uh, except for the Navajo who do observe daylight saving time on tribal lands. Hawaii and the overseas territories I mentioned also. So they don't observe daylight saving time. So they're on no standard, standard time, time all the time. Okay. Okay. But Florida we're wants trying to, go on daylight to saving time all the time. Oh, I don't. Well, that's odd. Yeah. So we're going to be completely different. Every no. those all those others you just mentioned do not change forward in the spring. But you know, okay. Florida wants to change forward and never change back. Mm. Mm. Okay. So, so anyway, next Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> next Thursday. Yeah. yeah. Really. <laughs> really. Uh, so Speaking next Thursday will be. Yeah. We'll have yeah, can't be responsible. Yeah, but next next Thursday we'll have an encore show, uh, Halloween related, of course, and uh, just stuff from the past. Ooh, this past that uh, we'll bring up, and uh, it, it'll be another show. So um, tune in yeah. uh, November first on Thursday next uh, next Thursday, seven p.m. Eastern time, Eastern whatever and time it is. Hear- most of our lovely voices live. The eighth will be there. Yeah. The eighth uh, will be another live show. So, yeah. But the, yeah, live show. Then we'll go we'll live for the year. No. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know about the. I don't know about the rest of the year. 
<laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, the holiday season coming up. It. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, we'll see you all next time. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in, <laughs> and uh, be safe. Yeah. Have a have a great Halloween if you if you celebrate it. Uh, you know, family, friends, kids, whatever. Um, and just be safe out there and enjoy it. Uh, it's, it's a great yeah. time. That's a. It yeah, is. We'll see you all next time. All right. Thanks for tuning in. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash all about wine thank you for listening drink responsibly and we'll see you next time on all about wine